0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 737. Today it's a Rebels briefing for you. We are looking at Empire Day, which is episode 6 of season 1 of Star Wars Rebels and features a couple of revelations about Ezra Bridger's past and also helps us put some information on a timeline for him too. Punch it, Chewie. It's rebel rousing fun for everyday Jedi. Seven minutes a day, seven days a week. Join Alan Voivod for today's Star Wars 7x7 podcast. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and Empire Day is the anniversary, as I mentioned at the top, of the day that the Galactic Empire came into power. We're celebrating in this episode the 15th anniversary of this happening. And considering that Ezra was born on Empire Day itself, then this puts him in about the same age bracket as Thane Carell and Sienna Ree from Lost Stars, who were the same age roughly, and in the novel, it does mention that Thane was born in the same year as the Empire was. Now, Ezra has infiltrated an Imperial Academy in the past, so wouldn't it be funny if he were able to infiltrate the Imperial Academy on Coruscant and meet Thane and Sienna as part of some mission the rebels are doing? That would be a little fun but I digress. Let's talk about this particular episode, which finds Ezra very bummed and wanting to be alone on Empire Day, which happens to be his birthday, but also happens to be the day that his parents were taken away from him. He assumes that they are dead, but we find out that they may not in fact be dead or at least that is the implication that's given, the I know what happened to your parents cliffhanger at the end of the episode. But they were taken away on Ezra's seventh birthday, so he has been alone and fending for himself for eight years now, and you can see why he would not want to indulge hope or be sentimental about the possibility of his parents still being around. He's got to be tough to survive, and that definitely could weaken you if you let that take over all of your thinking about things. But in all the fuss of the stuff going on around Empire Day, two different plots are happening. One is that a new experimental TIE fighter design is being introduced to the public, which of course the rebels quickly blow up. And secondly, the Imperials are looking for a Rodian with some special information and it turns out that Rodian is an old friend of Ezra's and Ezra's family, and he's had some cybernetic implants to boost his brain capacity, but it's probably also kind of over overwhelming his brain, too, with all the information that's flowing through it, and him, for that matter. So the ghost crew manages to blow up the experimental TIE fighter design and tries to escape, but the city goes on lockdown, and Hera can't fly in anywhere to pick them up, so they have to go into hiding for the night, and Ezra takes them to what used to be his house and senses the presence of that Rodian hiding in a secret area of their house. So naturally, the ghost crew realizes the value of this Rodian and decide that they need to get him off-world and take him to wherever they meet up with the Rebel Alliance to get the information to them because they have so many plans inside this cybernetic implant around the Rodian's head that it constitutes basically a five-year plan for the Outer Rim territories and what the Empire plans to do with them. And considering the high value nature of this Rhodian, it makes sense that the Grand Inquisitor and Agent Callus are on the scene looking for him. But The ghost crew is able to get him out of dodge anyway, and the high speed chase ensues with two of those troop transporter toys from Sears. And Agent Callis almost gets him, almost gets him. I guess it's going to be par for the course for him, but the ghost swoops in and is able to snatch everybody up and away. But it's out of the frying pan and into the fire because here comes the Grand Inquisitor with a complement of TIE fighters in tow. And oh, that experimental TIE fighter that they blew up earlier? Well, not the only one because the The Grand Inquisitor is flying one of these models, and if you haven't seen it, then the rough gist of it is is that it looks very much like a TIE Fighter, except if you um, made the wings bent. In other words, you gave them a bit of an arc. You didn't actually, like, fold them the way, say, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter wings are folded, but more like you just sort of made them into a an arc-like shape, uh, like a very open parabola, if you will. It doesn't seem to do anything else special necessarily compared to regular TIE Fighters, other than that it can shoot out a tracking device that attaches to the fleeing rebels, so they can be tracked through hyperspace, in fact. But other than that, doesn't give us, you know, it doesn't give us a lot of information about why this TIE fighter is necessarily so cool. One thing it does do, I guess you could say, is that the wings actually fold down. So instead of it being, you know, standing on the bottom edge of its wings, like we see the TIE fighters do in Rebels, it actually folds up. So you could imagine like where it comes out of the cockpit going from side to side and it mounting to the wings there. Like imagine that there's a hinge right above and right below that connection point And so sort of they wings fold down and fold up into it so it makes it a very narrow kind of flying machine when it's in a landed position but yeah there you go but unlike any other Clone Wars episode or Rebels episode, but I'm, you know, going all the way back, like, anytime they've had a multiple arc story situation, they've just ended the episode and gone on to the next episode. But this one, they have a hard to-be-continued stop. Like, they actually throw up a title card that says to-be-continued when the Rodian that Ezra knew from his childhood reveals that he knows what happened to Ezra's parents. But we're going to have to wait for the next episode, Gathering Forces, which is episode 7 of the season, to get the reveal on that. And we're actually going to have to wait on the briefing side of things for two weeks before we do that. Because next week, of course, is the final day of Star Wars Celebration, and we will be talking about other things during Celebration. But we will get back to the Rebels briefing on July 24th. And dig into gathering forces then. But before we go, there is one scene I want to call to your attention. And it has to do with Ezra's Jedi training under Kanan. And there's a different take on the attachment side of things in this one that I thought was pretty interesting and a little easier to grasp and a more well-rounded and grounded situation. So the gist of the scene is that Kanan is trying to teach Ezra about reaching out and connecting with creatures and it's a Loth cat specifically that he's trying to help Ezra reach out to and tame basically. The cat wants to (laughs) attack him and there's a lot of noise before Ezra gets rid of the cat, or at least knocks the cat off of him, and says this. Give me your lightsaber and I'll make the connection. Excuse me? Sorry, I just don't see the point of this. The point is that you're not alone. You're connected to every living thing in the universe. But to discover that, you have to let your guard down. You have to be willing to attach to others. And what if I can't? If you hang on to your past... If you always try to protect yourself, you'll never be a Jedi. Then maybe I'll never be a Jedi. All right, so that scene right there, like, don't you think that's a huge red flag for Ezra eventually going to the dark side of the Force? Man... That would be pretty heartbreaking if they went that direction with this thing. But also from a storytelling perspective, it would be pretty brave of them to do it. I would be very impressed if that is where they're going with it. But here we have Kanan saying that to be connected with the Force and to be connected with the world around you, you actually have to be willing to attach, which is not what you hear from the Jedi. It's all about non-attachment, non-attachment, and we just talked about that with um, with Voyage of Temptation, actually, in the Clone Wars, oddly enough. Odd that Obi-Wan and Anakin were just talking about it in yesterday's episode. So I'd love to know what you think, because I think those three characters actually represent three different takes on the whole attachment thing. Of course, Anakin deeply attaching through a secret marriage, Obi-Wan going the entire opposite route, and Kanan somewhere in the middle. Where do you think the best way forward for the Jedi would be, which, of course, then bears on the whole Force Awakens and Jedi Order and all that fun stuff. So let me hear your thoughts at the comments at the blog post for this show's episode at SW7x7.com. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. Hey, I've got a trivia question before you go. Together, we will destroy the Resistance and the Last Jedi. Last time we asked you what quote-unquote bad thing Snoke senses in Kylo Ren, and that's the pull to the light. Today's question, how many times does Kylo Ren throw a tantrum and destroy equipment with his lightsaber? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you become a spy for the Jedi Council, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans of the podcast, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a night at the space opera, it's Destiny Unleashed.